Amen. Yes, you may be seated. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. If we haven't met, my name is Adam. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, thanks for choosing to worship with us today. I want, before we jump into the message, I want to share a couple of, of uh, celebrations with you, a couple of praise gods with you. Um, first of all, we, last week we ended our Operation, uh, what is it, Operation Christmas Child uh, Boxes. And uh, you guys gave 95 boxes. And we are very thankful for that. Uh, so thank you. Those are going to be distributed to kids, uh, to kids in need. And then we also had our pie auction last Sunday. Had a blast. Had a great time. Uh, thank you. Those of you who came, those of you who donated. We had, we had around 150 pies donated that we auctioned off last week. And uh, the lobby was just filled with people. Um, this was a fundraiser for our teens who are going to Nazarene Youth Conference next summer. And uh, you guys raised about $4,400 for those teens. So that's a lot of money and a lot of calories, and they tasted so good, didn't they? So thank you for participating in that. Well, uh, today we're actually wrapping up our series called Hurts, Habits, and Hangups. And uh, we've been going through this for the last eight weeks. It's, it's kind of based around a book called Life's Healing Choices by John Baker, uh, this is the guy who started Celebrate Recovery, and so we've just been walking through that, and today we come to the, the final chapter before we start our Advent, our Christmas series next week. But um, let me ask you a question this morning. What do you think of when you think of recycling? There may be some of you, when you think of recycling, you think that is the answer for all of humanity. I recycle everything, and anybody who doesn't is an idiot and has no, no plan or hope for the human race, okay? That some of you, that's maybe some of you. Some of you may be on the other end of the spectrum, and you might think, recycling is for tree-hugging hippies. I ain't doing that, right? Most of us are probably somewhere in between. But when you think about what, what does it even mean to recycle, well, it kind of means to use again, doesn't it? To recycle means to use again. You put something into recycling, it gets repackaged or repurposed or, or broken down and, and kind of remade, and then that recycled material is used by someone else down the road. Well, the title of our last chapter today is Recycling Pain. Recycling Pain. Now, when I first heard that phrase uh, several years ago, it didn't make sense to me and, and, but then I begin to think about how God uses and wants to use pain in our lives. You see, first of all, he wants to use our pain to help bring, uh, to help bring transformation in our lives, right? He, he uses pain to accomplish things in us, sometimes that he, can't, that he can't accomplish any other way. So he wants to use our pain to, to, to make us more like Jesus and to, to bring transformation to our lives. But secondly, God wants to use our pain to help bring healing to somebody else. So recycling our pain doesn't mean that God wants to keep hammering us with it over and over. It means that once he uses it for good in our lives, he wants to use it in someone else's. Which brings us to our, our eighth and final healing choice, the sharing choice. Would you read it with me? Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. So we're talking about recycling pain today. And um, I, 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 the, one of the best, maybe the best example in scripture that I can think of, 
of God recycling somebody's pain, God taking somebody's pain and using it for good to help someone else. It's the story of Joseph. And if you want to turn to Genesis 50, we're going to look at the end of Joseph's story. Um, and I, but I, I, need to, I need to summarize his story before we get here. This is more summary than I usually like to give, okay? So I'm going to ask you to stay with me. But the reason I'm doing this is we, I, I want us to feel the weight of a statement that Joseph is going to end up making in these verses. And to do that, we need to put ourselves in his shoes, put ourselves in his story. A lot of you know his story, but I want us to review it, and some of you may not know it. So here, here it is. Let me summarize Joseph's story for us. Joseph, he was his father's favorite son, and he knew it. Everybody knew it. He knew it. His brothers knew it. Everybody knew it. He was his dad's favorite. And let's be honest, he was kind of a spoiled brat, okay? He was a punk. Raise your hand if you know a spoiled brat punk, and don't you dare look at the person next to you. I'm thinking especially of my sons who are elbowing each other right now, um, right? And by the way, if you didn't raise your hand, you might be the one people around you have their hand raised about, okay? So we all know a spoiled brat punk, and that's kind of what Joseph was. And his brothers, finally, they had enough. I mean, really had enough. And they threw Joseph into this well to leave him for dead. Well, they eventually, their conscience kind of got the best of them. Not enough to actually come clean. They were not walking through John Baker's steps in life's healing choices. Um, they, so their conscience bothered them, not enough to actually own what they did, but they did pull him out of a well, and they sold him to some people on their way to Egypt. So Joseph finds himself going from being the, 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 the favored son of this very wealthy man to now being a slave in a foreign land where he doesn't know anybody, he doesn't know the language, he doesn't know the customs. I mean, I, I, put yourself in his place for a minute. How awful, how excruciating must that have been? I mean, that was one of those things where you're like, yeah, this guy was a punk, but he didn't deserve that. You ever been really frustrated with somebody or angry with somebody, and then something really bad happens to them, and then you kind of feel bad, and you're like, oh, they didn't, they didn't really deserve that. Well, that's, that's Joseph. But we know Joseph grew up. He became a man of faith, a man of wisdom. A man of hard work, and life got better for Joseph in the house of a man named Potiphar. He was a servant in the house of a man named Potiphar. Now, it's a little-known fact that Joseph's last name was McConaughey, as in Matthew McConaughey. Um, okay, the Bible doesn't say that, but it says he was really good-looking, okay? He was this really good-looking dude, and Potiphar's wife, she had the hots for him. I think I just dated myself with that expression. You don't hear that anymore, do you? Um, his wife had the hots for Joseph, and she tried to get Joseph to sleep with her, but Joseph McConaughey said, that is not all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it took me a minute to think of that one, okay? That's what Matthew McConaughey's known for saying for, for those of you who don't get it. <laughs> all right. So Joseph, uh, Joseph McConaughey, he said, nope, I'm not doing that. He ran away because he was a man of integrity. He wasn't going to do this. Well, Potiphar's wife, she was also a spoiled brat, apparently. And she had a fit. She had what we might in Texas call a conniption fit. And uh, she actually accused Joseph of trying to have his way with her. So that landed Joseph right back in chains, this time not as a slave, but as a prisoner. Now, how many of us 
at this point would have dived headfirst into the cesspool of self-pity. I can't say for sure that I wouldn't have. I don't know if you can say for sure that you wouldn't have. And Joseph was human, so I'm guessing he had some self-pity moments. But the key is Joseph didn't you I mean th- again think about this think this incredible roller coaster that Joseph had been on right really high highs really low lows just when, every time when when some of you can relate to this even just when Joseph thought okay life's life's good it gets ripped out from under him and I know there had to be times sitting in that prison cell, probably chained to the wall, that Joseph wanted to to just dive into self-pity. But here's the key. He He didn't allow these circumstances that really were thrust upon him. You know, sometimes it's our own choices, right? Sometimes it's our own choices that rip the rug out from from under ourselves. But this wasn't the case with Joseph, except for maybe the part where he was a brat in the beginning and his brothers had enough. But mostly, I mean, other people did this to him. But instead of using this as an excuse to turn from God, Joseph Joseph moved toward God. And he, he, he leaned into God and allowed God to carry him through these incredibly difficult circumstances that life kept throwing at him. And so God allows Joseph to, to foresee this great famine that was coming to the land of Egypt, and he develops this plan to help the empire prepare for it, and Pharaoh is so impressed that he elevates Joseph. He, he plucks Joseph out of this prison cell, and he makes him second in command over the entire Egyptian empire. He goes from a prisoner to basically being like the vice president. Right? It's this incredible story. Well, meanwhile, in the middle of this famine, Joseph's brothers, they come to Egypt to buy some grain to take back home. And they find themselves standing right in front of the man who was in charge of this whole operation, none other than Joseph himself, the brother, the brother on whom they had brought so much pain years before. And so they end up being reconciled, and the brothers go back. They get their father. They get their families. They come back to Egypt. Everybody's reunited in Egypt. It's this great Hallmark movie ending. Tis the season for Hallmark movies, right? Right? Everybody's just reconciled and doing great, except for one final detail. Their father, Jacob, he eventually dies. And then, his, then Joseph's brothers get to talking, and they get to thinking, okay, now that dad is gone, now is Joseph going to take his revenge? I mean, he's been really good to us so far. He's been really nice. But now that dad's gone, is Joseph going to finally get his revenge? And that's what brings us to verses 19 to 21. Joseph says to his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good 
to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want to point out a couple things in this statement. First of all, I want us to realize Joseph isn't denying the pain that his brothers caused. You don't see that anywhere in here. Sometimes we think that forgiving someone or showing grace to someone means saying, well, it's okay. Or, well, you know, it's, you know you're somehow denying the pain. No, in, in many ways, forgiveness involves the opposite. It acknowledges the pain that someone else caused you. But, but then you make the decision to let go of your right to get revenge or stay angry. Joseph doesn't deny the pain that they caused him. But what he does say is basically this. Yeah, I've been through a lot. But look how God has recycled my pain and used it to do good for other people. God recycles Joseph's pain. Listen to this quote from from our book, Life's Healing Choices. The proof that you are truly recovering is when you begin to focus outside yourself, when you stop being absorbed with your needs, your hurts, your problems, recovery is evident when you begin to say, how can I help others? This choice is challenging us today to think through the the stuff that we've been through in life, either that other people have caused us or that we've caused ourselves through our own dumb choices, which all of us have made, or sometimes just through life itself. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes bad things just happen. This, This choice challenges us to think through those things and to begin to think outside of ourselves and pray, God, how can you use this? To help somebody else. That's a big challenge, isn't it? See, you are on your way to recovery when you realize that God can use the pain in your life to work miracles in you. But you reach a whole nother level of recovery when you realize that God can use the pain in your life to help someone else, to do miracles in someone else. And that's what we mean by recycled pain. And ultimately, this is what we should be striving for and hoping for and praying for, not just that God would bring healing and victory in our lives, but that he would bring healing and victory in the lives of others too. And then pray, God, how can I play a part in that? How can I play a part in that? See, when you're going through stuff, doesn't it help to know that you're not alone? When you're going through stuff, doesn't it help to know that somebody else understands? Then why would we not want to be that person for somebody else? It helps to know that someone else understands. And if we hide our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups, then we are robbing people of that help and we're robbing people of that blessing. Now, I do want to say this. Be careful with saying things like, I know exactly how you feel. 
Oh, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, I've been through the exact same thing. Be careful with that. Yes, people want to people know. It helps people to know that somebody else understands. Somebody else has been through something uh, similar. But be careful saying, I know exactly how you feel. Because the circumstances may be similar, but they're never exactly the same. Plus, that person is different than you. They're wired differently than you. They've had different experiences. They respond to different things. They may have a similar story as you, but they may be walking through it differently than you. So rather than saying, I know exactly, when, you, when you're looking to help someone, when you're looking to identify with somebody and, and to assure someone that you've been through similar things and God helped you through that, when you're looking to play that role in somebody's life, maybe a better response is something like this. I skipped a verse. When I went through a similar thing, I felt or I experienced this. Is that true for you? Be careful with, be careful with saying, I know exactly how you feel. I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna skip this. Listen, 2 Corinthians 1.4. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings along, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. God wants to recycle your pain, folks. He wants to use the stuff that you've been through to help somebody else with their stuff. But we can't help people with their stuff until we can be honest about our own. And that's why it's so important in the church that we, that we not wear masks, that we not pretend to be somebody we're not, that, we're, that we don't ha- try to hide our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's easy for us to do that, isn't it? It's easy for us to do that in the church. And if I'm being honest, we pastors might be the worst at that in general. I feel like our pastors and staff are pretty good about, about just being honest about our stuff. And, 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 and Kyle is, is great at setting the example for that. But folks, you, we can't help somebody with their stuff if we're not honest about our own stuff. So we need to take the mask off. And, and be willing to, to put it out there, not necessarily to the whole world, but as God opens opportunities, we need, to, we need to be willing to say, yeah, here's what I went through back here. It was awful. In fact, you know what? I did that. It was my own stupid choice. Sometimes that's the case, right? We've got to be honest about our own stuff. So uh, let, me give you, let me give you five practical ways to allow God to recycle your pain. The first two ways are, uh, are really more kind of inner things that we need to do on the inside, okay? And then the other three things are things we can do on the outside. So, so five practical ways to allow God to recycle your pain. The first is be thankful. Be thankful. Now, there are certain things that a person might go through that I would have a really hard time telling them, you should be thankful that that happened to you. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But can you at least be thankful to God for walking with you through that? Can you at least be thankful to God that he, he used that awful thing to draw you closer to him or to work some kind of transformation in your life? Can you give God thanks for using your stuff to help somebody else, either in the past or in the present or even in the future? 
God, thank you for the ways that I believe you're going to use my stuff to help somebody else. Learn to be thankful. Look for way, look for something, anything related to the stuff that you've been through that you can give God thanks for. Learn to be thankful. If not for the thing itself, than for how God has used it or for the fact that he's walked with you through that. Be thankful. Secondly, be real. Be real. We're just talking about this. Be real. I think, I think there's two big reasons that we, that we often want to wear a mask and kind of pretend like we have it all together and have just had a good life and haven't had a lot of stuff. I think there's two big reasons for that. One is pride. We don't want people to know that we messed up. We don't want people to know that this happened. This made me feel like damaged goods, and I don't want to feel like damaged goods, and I don't want other people to know that I feel like damaged goods. And so out of pride, I'm going to put on this this mask, this front. Second big reason that I think we often wear a mask and hide our stuff is shame. We're ashamed of what we did back here. Or what somebody else did to us has somehow in Satan's twisted way caused us to feel shame even though we didn't do it, this person did it. And we've talked about that in this series. You know, conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's different than shame. Conviction is, you've heard me say this, conviction is like the rudder of a ship. It helps us, helps keep us moving the direction we need to go. Shame is like the anchor. Shame is what Satan heaps on us and heaps on us and beats us down with. Neither pride nor shame are from God. And if we're going to be real about our stuff, the stuff that we've been through, the stuff that we've done, if we're going to be real, then we've got to be willing to to take our pride or take our shame and lay it at Jesus' feet and say, God, would you take this from me? Would you take this pride from me? Would you take this shame from me? So I can be real with people. So that you can use my stuff to help other people. Be real. Be thankful and be real. So those are the two things that, that we, you really have to start with. We've got we've to learn to do that. Be thankful in some way for the stuff we've been through. And then be real about it. Be honest about it. Now here's a few practical things that you might could do on the outside to begin to allow God to, to, to use your pain in someone else's life. One is join a small group. Yes, I'm the small groups guy, and I'm plugging small groups. But this is real, folks. My, I have a group that meets on Wednesday nights. We have a couple of people who joined my group this year who did not know each other before they joined that group. And just in the course of conversation, they both discovered that they both share a similar challenge in life. Now, I don't know if anything has or will come from that, but at the very least, they found out, hey, somebody else, somebody else knows what it's like to deal with this. And they, did, they would not have discovered that, most likely, if they had not been in the same small group. So just being part of a small group where you can talk to people and, and you can learn about each other's lives, um, that can be a great way that God can use your stuff to help somebody else. The next step, though, is starting a small group. Now, I know starting a small group, leading a small group, that sounds kind of daunting. It's not as daunting as, as 
a lot of people make it out to be, okay? Think about this for a second. We have a widow's group that meets the first Friday of every month. You know who started that widow's group? A couple of widows who know what that pain is like and wanted to, to give God an opportunity to recycle their pain and help somebody else. Every January, from January to late April, early May, we have a divorce care group. Started several years ago. You know who started that? Somebody who's been divorced and wanted to allow God to recycle their pain and help somebody else. Our Celebrate Recovery that's, that's going to be launching after the first of the year, it's led by Mark Kimry. You know why Mark has a heart for this ministry? Because of his own struggles with addiction. He shared that story with us a few weeks ago. We have a guy in our church, this isn't a, he doesn't have a small group, but um, we have a guy in our church who, who meets one-on-one with, with a handful of guys who are struggling with porn. You know why he has a heart for that? Because God delivered him from that. What are the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you've experienced that you might be able to, to, to join or start a group over, to, to look outside of yourself, outside of your own pride or your own shame or whatever it is, and say, okay, I know there are other people out here who have struggled or are struggling with this same thing. And I want to allow God to recycle my stuff that I've been through. So I can help others. Join a small group. Start a small group. Maybe just learn to tell your story. Tell your story. Don't hide it. Tell your story. Take a minute. I want you to think of something that you've endured in life. Um, By the way, this is something that we do in Connect 401, which is the last step and next steps. I'm already plugging small groups. I might as well plug next steps. But I want you to take a second. Think about something in life that you've been through. Think about your stuff. Something you've endured, either either something that somebody else caused or that you caused or that you just went through because life sometimes happens. You got something in your head? Now think about it in, this ter- in these terms. What was life like before that came about in your life? And then what happened? What changed? How, how, how did you see God intervene? And then what's life been like since? Um, my spouse and I... Uh, just couldn't see eye to eye. We didn't see any possible way that this marriage was going to make it. But we turned to God. We got some counseling. We learned to forgive each other. And now we have the best marriage I can ever imagine happening. Right? That, that could be an example. I was addicted. That thing had control over me. I, did, I had no idea how I was ever going to break free from it. But then I asked for help, and I turned to God, and he set me free. And let me tell you, I know a freedom now that I never thought was possible. I was so selfish, 
I didn't give it. I didn't have a care for anybody else in this world. And then this happened in my life, and God used that to get my attention and to, and to show me that he really does love me and have a plan for me. And let me tell you, my life now is lived for Jesus and other people. You see how simple that works? You can take anything in your life, any kind of baggage you have, any hurt, habit, or hang-up, and think about it in those terms, and, and then ask God, and here's the, a really important part, begin to pray, God, will you give me an opportunity to share my story with somebody? Don't make it long. Nobody wants to listen for an hour to your story, okay? No offense. Amen. It's the first amen I think I've heard today. Think in this terms. If you only had the time that you have with the cashier at the grocery store, how would you share your story or a story from your life? In these terms. Keep it short. And then look for and pray for opportunities to share it. You never know how God might want to use your story, even in the briefest encounter, to plant a seed of hope in somebody else's life. Learn to tell your story and don't be afraid to tell your story. So, be thankful, be real, join a small group. Maybe start a small group. Learn to tell your story. That's not an exhaustive list. I'm just trying to prime the pump and get you thinking, okay, what are some ways that I can allow God to recycle my pain, to recycle the stuff that I've endured in life? How might God want to use you? And so as the band comes, here's what I want to close with. Um, this is Thanksgiving week, obviously, and we're pretty good at thanking God for the good things in life, right? I, I thank God for my family. I thank God for the house. Uh, thank God for the amazing pastors and staff at my church. Amen. I wondered if that would get an amen or if it would get more laughs. I'm glad there was at least one amen. We're pretty good about thanking God for the good things in our lives, right? What if today, what if today we said, God, Thank you for the bad stuff I've been through in life. It was hard. It was painful. I don't ever want to go through that stuff again. But thank you for walking with me through it. Thank you for using it to draw me closer to you. Thank you for using it to bring about transformation in my life that wouldn't have happened any other way. What if we stopped today and thanked God for even the bad stuff in life. I'm not sure any of these other steps happen without this one. You willing to pray that prayer today? Would you take some time to be thankful this morning for the hard things? Would you begin to ask God, like Joseph, God, will you recycle my pain? Will you recycle my stuff? Will you show me how I can use it to help somebody else? Would you stand with us? As we sing, if you want to come pray this morning, if you want to, um, if you want to pray for someone else, how about this? What if, what if we came forward today? Again, part of thinking outside of ourselves is learning to pray for other people and not just ourselves. We've given you seven 
opportunities in this series to come pray about your own stuff? What if today, specifically, we said, you know what? Will you come forward today and pray for somebody else's stuff? Do you know somebody who's going through something that you've been through? Would you come pray for them this morning? And would you pray, God, would you show me some practical way that I can recycle this and use this to make a difference in somebody else? Will you come pray for somebody other than yourself today? If you want Kyle or I to pray with you, we'll be happy to do that as well. But let's worship. Let's pray. Let's give God thanks.